It's so good to see you. I'm so glad to be here. I'm Alan. Uh, again, I am the director of church planting for the Great Lakes Conference. I'm also the pastor of uh, planting pastor of Life Church Southfield, and uh, it's not. It wasn't that far away. It's two hours, or from my house is an hour and 49 minutes, and that's not bad. And uh, I, I was able to drive with my wife and listen to her talk about things, and I was enjoying myself, and it was great just hanging out. It's actually our, it's weird, it, it's our month anniversary. No, 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 see, so every month we celebrate, I, I know I'm, I'm putting pressure on some husbands, <laughs> every month we celebrate our, I know, I, I know, our, 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 our month anniversary, and so this is it. So we're going to Cooper or something. There you go. There. All right, anyway. I want to uh, just start with prayer. Father, thank you so much for allowing me to be here, the privilege of just uh, looking into your eternal word. And I thank you again for the privilege of being with family. And I pray, God, that we could um, hear your word today, that you would give me the tongue of the learned, that I can speak your word clearly. And I pray also that you would give us ears to hear and hard to apply in Jesus' name. Amen. It was uh, August 3rd, 2020. Um, I had a, an appointment with my primary doctor, and so during the whole pandemic, I wasn't able to meet with him, and so it had been like several months, and so he called me and said, I am about to retire, so you need to get on in. And so August 3rd, I, I was there earlier, I think on the first or so to, to for some blood work and then on the third I met with him and typically when I would meet with him I would get a lot of good news and I remember him going through a list of uh, things and he said I saw I see that your PSA has elevated and so I want you to go to a urologist I just want you to check it out it may not be something serious but just go check it out. And so the first week of September, I had an appointment with my urologist and he kind of checked some things out and he says, I want you to come back for a biopsy actually. And so by on September 30th, he called me and Marcia. He, we had a teleconference and he said to us, he says that I have, that he found that I have stage three prostate cancer. And so it, uh, he walked me through a chart of what that looked like. And I remember that when I was listening to him on this teleconference, and actually I, actually, I passed out because it was, you know, it was shocking to my system. And so I said, I, I said to Marcia, I said, can you just take the phone? And she continued to have that conversation. And so, again, he said it was very, very aggressive, and so I'm going to have to make some decisions. So I decided to do... Uh, surgery as opposed to seed amp implants, and so they were talking about doing that. So on March March 13th, 2021, I had surgery. The good thing is it was localized, and so they were able to get it and take out my prostate. And so I was feeling good, and I was going through uh, two monthly uh, checks to check my PSA, and everything was fine, and I was feeling good. And now, uh, late fall, I, I had a 
another primary doctor appointment. And so uh, she brought me in and saw that my hemoglobin was low. And she says, there's something that could be wrong. I don't know. But it wasn't that low. And, and actually what she uh, said and saw, she says, you, you know, basically you take some iron pills, you'll be good. But she was a very aggressive primary doctor. And so she says, I want you to get an endoscopy. I want you to check out and make sure that there's no uh, blood that's uh, in my system. And so I had an endoscopy and the doctor came to me uh, and said, I see something that looks a little suspicious. And this was just in about eight months. And again, I just was high on the fact that uh, there was no cancer in my body. And so he says, I see something that's in, uh, suspicious. I want you to come back for another endoscopy. And he did. And he called us. And we're sitting around doing work for the church. And this was in late 2020. And he says, you have stomach cancer. 2021. And so I met with a surgeon. And so uh, March 13th, 2022, I had another surgery. Two-thirds of my stomach was taken out. The beauty of it is that the, if, if there is something that's beautiful, is that it is that it was stage one. And so uh, I was off work for four or so months. And I know that um, some of you have experienced these types of things, but I tell you what, for me it was traumatic, and it still is traumatic because I'm always wondering if I have a feeling in my body, is that cancer? I wake up in the morning and my head is hurting, is that cancer? I'm experiencing a type of trouble, intense trouble that I have been going through over the past two years that I can't really explain, I can't really verbalize. Sometimes I, I find myself in a depressive type of state and I say to my wife, I, I can't really verbalize what's going on and what I'm feeling right now. Going through the trouble of my life. I know again that I'm not by myself especially over the past two years, and some of you are going through your own personal troubles, intense difficulties in your life. Some of you have inoperable diseases. Some of you have experienced the loss of, love, of a loved one. Some of you have uh, been entrapped in an abusive relationship. Some of you have children and teens who are spiraling out of control. Some of you have bad habits in your life that are shackling you and you're experiencing some type of trouble. Some of you are lonely every single day. You're experiencing this intense loneliness. You know what it feels like to feel or have trouble in your life, intense so today I just want to ask the question and just have a few minutes. I'm not going to, I'm definitely not going to answer every question, but I'm going to touch on it. And I want to ask, answer and ask the question, is there rest from trouble? 
When I talk about rest, I'm not talking about sleeping. I'm talking about confidence. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about the type of discernment. Is there light? Is there hope even in the midst of intense trouble? I needed to answer that question. And I want you to say, to know that every single day I am asking and answering that question. I'm going to talk today about rest from trouble. And I want to look really in a passage because I tell you, um, during this time, it's, it's driven me to, to find scripture where uh, there are examples of people who are in intense trouble. And I want to know just what did, they, what did they do in order to find that type of rest? And I don't know if you're like me, but I've been running to the book of Psalms because it's, it's in- interesting because 70% of the Psalms are what are, what are called lament Psalms. They're Psalms of, a, of an author saying, why? Where, God, are you when I hurt? I need you, God. I don't understand. Why is it that the ungodly are prospering and I am going through these Troubled times. And so I, I had to go to the book of Psalms. I wanted to find out. I wanted to hear the life and the, and the story of someone as they have gone through and found rest from trouble. I found it in Psalm 77. It's written by this guy named Asaph, and he was a music director. He was a musician. He used to lead the choirs. He actually wrote several psalms. You would find them in Psalm 50 as well as from Psalms 73 through 83. They are psalms of Asaph, and they are laments. As an aside, if you know anything about musicians, and some of you, of course, LaRonda, you know what I'm talking about. Musicians are really weak. And I, by the way, I am a musician too. I was a music major. And most musicians are a little weird. Not in a bad way. I mean, maybe sometimes. Um, Musicians oftentimes, we are so in touch with our feelings. And sometimes we are, uh, we allow, sadly, our emotions to dictate our devotion. And I think there are some non-musicians that do that as well. And that's actually what you see in the life of Asaph. You can tell when you read uh, the, the 50th division of Psalms or 73 through 83, you would see that he is like a roller coaster. He has, he's very in touch with his feelings. And sometimes I believe that he allows his emotions to dictate his choices, his devotion. And you see it. In Psalm 77. And in it, I'm going to answer three very simple questions. And that is, uh, again, we're answering the question, we're answering the question, is there rest from trouble? But the three questions are, uh, the first thing is, I wanted to come up right here. I don't have it in my, for some reason, I don't have it on my uh, notes. There it is. I can't see. My eyes are horrible. But basically, uh, we find in Asaph that he deals with temptation 
while he is going through trouble. That's the first thing we see in 77, 1 through 4. And you also see the questions that come from trouble. And finally, he talks about the rest that you can find in trouble. And I want to walk down this passage verses 1 through 15, and I'm not going to dive in and unpack all of them, but I want to look at them and then and, and see what I'm talking about, how it is outlined. First thing is you find, you find that, that there are temptations that people can go through when they are going through trouble. Look at verse, verses 1 through 3 in the 77th division of Psalms. My voice rises to God, and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God, and he will listen to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out and did not grow weary. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am restless. When I sigh, then my spirit feels weak. Salah. The first thing that I see that is very instructive in this passage, and I'm not really dealing with the outline first, but the first thing that I see is, which is beautiful to me, is that while Asaph is going through intense trouble, the first thing he did was he ran to God. See, I, I tell you what, human nature, I tell you, when I think about me, that is not the first thing that I think about. You say, Alan, you're supposed to be a pastor. You should be thinking about that. Well, I don't. I mean, many of us, when we're going through very intense trouble, we, we run to something. Some people will go to drugs. Some people will go to alcohol. Some people will go to entertainment. Some people will go to sex. Or some people will go to work or all types of different things would be our first go-to. For me, it's TikTok. I'm just saying Pray for me, please. After about an hour and a half, and I'm like, why am I here? It's kind of fun, though. Anyway. But Asaph, he went to God, and I thought that that was a beautiful thing. I'm so glad. But I want to get to the first thing, that temptations that we find, even though he went to God, he started uh, on, I believe, a slippery slope when he was allowing his emotions to dictate his devotion, the first thing I see is that Asaph can't be comforted. He says that. He says, my soul refused to be comforted. That's interesting because I think that, again, I hope that I'm not reading into the text, but I kind of think in my mind's eye that Asaph was at a point where he didn't want comforting. He didn't want someone to speak um, life into his life. I think that he was so intense, his trouble was so intense that he was saying, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear from anyone about it. Have you ever done that? When you're going through very tough times and you kind of shut down and you isolate yourself and you don't want to have a conversation. You, I tell you what, as a pastor, I, I see it all the time. We will have people come to the church and they start with a bang and they're getting to all types of service and they're 
doing so much for the Lord, and then when trouble comes, I don't see them. And then I bump uh, into them maybe at a grocery store or something, and I'll say, so where, where have you been? And they say, I'm going through, Alan. I'm just going through tough times. And so their go-to is to stay away because they don't want to be comforted. I think that was a temptation for Asaph. He wanted to shut down. The second thing I see is that Asaph started to question what he knew about God. What am I talking about? He says, when I remember God, then I am restless. And so I started thinking about that. What? What? He, had, he, he was anxiety-ridden. What was going on? Why is it that when he thought about God, he got a little restless? And so I started thinking about myself. See, what happens is when I am going through intense trouble, the things that I knew about God are now colliding with my reality. And when that happens in my life, I'm talking about all those beautiful things that he loves me, that he's kind, that he's walking with me, that he's talking with me, that he is strengthening me, that he's empowering me. But now my reality says, do you really love me? Are you really there? And I really believe that that's what happens. Uh, See, he starts questioning what he knew about God. That's he's restless. I remember when I was going through those times and I would hit my knees and start praying. And the first thing that came to my mind is, is he really paying attention to me? And what would I do? I'd get up. Because I'm restless. I'm, I'm restless. I just don't feel like he's who he said he is. I believe that Asaph started questioning what he knew about God. The other thing I see is that Asaph starts blaming God. Look at what he said in verse 4. He says, you have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. He says, you, think about it. He's saying, God, um, I do want to sleep, but I am up all the time, and it's your fault. That you're actually doing it. You are, now, 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 it's hard when you, when you start thinking about the sovereignty of God, and, and, and you see him saying, you have held my eyelids open. See, um, the I think that there is a temptation when we are in trouble that we will start pointing our finger to God and we will start again blaming him because we're starting to see him in a different light. And that's why James, the brother of Jesus, he actually had to deal with it. You remember in in James chapter 1, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various types of trials, knowing this, that the testing of of, of your faith produces patience. And then in verse 13, he says, if, but when you are tempted, don't say that God, don't start the blame game. Because that's a slippery slope. Because what's happening is you are really redefining who God is. And you'll start questioning, take you to the second part. You start questioning, and it was like a rapid-fire question. He's on this 
spiraling out. He's on this slippery slope. He started asking these questions, six straight questions. This is what he said. Look at it. He says, will the Lord reject forever? And will he never be favorable again? Has his favor ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Salah. You see, that's what happens when you start redefining who God is. You start questioning. It's so interesting that Asaph, who is an author of many Psalms, who he actually, I'm sure, he sang as a choir director. He sang the answers to these questions. And so but when you're going through tough times, you start forgetting. You start forgetting because, again, your, your, the things that you knew about God, they collide with what's going on in your present reality. And then you start saying and asking these questions. Especially for Asaph, I believe that he knew the answers. Again, as this good Jewish young man and this singer, this worshiper, this poet, this author. Matter of fact, these are some of the questions, the answers to those questions are right here. And please follow along with me. Uh, for the, the, his question was, will the Lord reject forever and will he never be favorable again? No, his loving kindness endures forever, Psalms 136. And the others, he says, has his promise come to an end forever? For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness con con continues through all generations. Psalms 105. Then he says, or has he, he in anger withdrawn his compassion? No, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. All of these answers he would know, but when you're going through intense uh, trouble, oftentimes we shut our eyes to the truth. We don't want to have anyone com comfort us. We don't want to hear the truth. We want to just be just immersed by this trouble. And when we do that, it leads us to hopelessness. And friends, hopelessness will kill us. Hopelessness will kill us. And Asaph knew that. And I don't know how long he was going through his trouble. And I don't think uh, that, that um, he wrote this and within a few minutes of his trouble, he had an answer. I believe in my mind's eye that he was struggling with this a long time. When I think about what I've been going through really over the past two and a half years, and when I talk about this whole idea of trauma, and I've actually talked to psychologists and counselors, and, and, and I've said to them, look, I don't understand what's going on. I feel certain ways, but I think that what I'm going through is every single day I'm walking in a type of fear, wondering if the, the, someone, the cancer is going to knock on my door again. Every test that I take, I think, what's going to happen? And it's not just about me, because I do believe in my eternal destiny, but I think about my wife. I think about the church. I think about my family. And it's, it, and it's, and it's, it's in a struggle that's unfathomable. 
that I can't even express. But, friends, I don't want to stay here because this misery will destroy me. This misery will eat me alive. And just like Asaph, he did not want to stay there. He didn't want to be drowned out by this discouragement. Which takes us to our last part, which is how can we find rest in trouble? This is what he said in verses 11 and 12. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. I will certainly remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and on your deeds with thanksgiving. There are a couple things that I see that I find really, really beautiful in this passage. And sometimes uh, what we need to understand is when we're going through intense trouble, please understand that we, God is not just going to uh, give us this like snap, crackle, pop this type of microwave deliverance. Oftentimes, we have to roll up our sleeves and do some things. And I see this in this passage. The first thing I see is right here. He made a conscious decision that he didn't want to stay in that place. You know, he had to say, he, he said, okay, I, 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 did, I know that misery loves company, but I don't want to stay there. How do I know that he did that? It's when he said, I will. He said, I will remember your deeds. I will remember your wonders. I will meditate on your works. He made a decision. He says, look, I can't stay in this place. I'm not good for anyone when I'm in that place. So I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to say, I, I want to get out of it. I will. The second thing I see that he did is, you might say this isn't really, I don't know where this is in the text, but Asaph drowned out his discouragement with shouts of triumph. And what I'm talking about there is you see this in the word, I will meditate. It's the word meditate. It's really Hagah. It's a beautiful Hebrew word. It's not like the word that we're thinking about. It's not like uh, I am sitting around and I'm counting the rhythms of my breath. I am, um, I, I, I am sitting and listening to uh, the, the waves of an ocean and that's my meditation. I'm not saying that you're wrong if you do that. If you would do that, that's fine. But the type of meditation, when he says, I will meditate, he's not saying, hmm, that's not what he's saying. Actually, meditation is, if, if, if I went to a yoga class and meditated like a Hebrew would meditate, they would kick me out because I would be real loud. See, meditate is moaning. It's also murmuring, but it's also roaring, shouting. And so this is the deal. I think that what he knew, he knew that he was in this place of intense trouble, and he 
stood up and he says, I am going to shout. And you see it in verses 14 straight to the end of the chapter. I'm going to shout about the goodness of God. I'm going to shout about the fact that he loves me. I'm going to shout about the fact that he is with me. I'm going to shout that he's walking with me and talking with me and giving me power so I can rise above the trouble of my life. Not to deny it, but I'm not going to allow it to control my thinking. And so it's so important for us. And that's what he's, he says. He says, look, I am going to drown out this stuff. Again, not to deny it because it's real. But I just had to take, you know, again, I had to make a decision. I didn't want to stay in this place. So I have to wake up in the morning and I have to say different types of things. I'm going to receive the love of God. I'm going to not allow the enemy coming to me and say, did God really say did God really say that you're loved? Did God really say that, I, that he is walking with you? Did God really say that he can help you and comfort you? Did he? I had to deal with that, and I still have to do, deal with that every single day. Drowning out those complaints. Drowning out the discouragements. Drowning out. And the final thing I see in this is Asaph, listen to this, he chose to be thankful. And this seems to be a, a, what he did in order to find some rest from trouble. He chose to be thankful. That's what he said. He says, remember your deeds with thanksgiving. And so he then began to remember. You see it in verses 14 straight till 20. He remembered what God did for his people. He remembered the, the power of God in the exodus. He remembered the hand of God and the faithfulness of God. He remembered that. And I tell you, when we were asked, Ask, answering those questions in our groups. And, and, and I don't know, Brian, uh, here, I don't know if you remembered oh, that you actually said something about remembering and meditating and, and those types of things. And that's a beautiful thing. He says, we, he remembered and he was thankful. My friends, we got to remember some things. And we need to be thankful. We got to remember that you do have, we do have um, air in our lungs. We, we do have uh, good friends and good relationships. We do have family. We do have hands and feet. And, and we may not have those things right now, but we know that we have a God that loves. We, we know that we have a God that sent a son and died on the cross and rose again so that I could experience the forgiveness that comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I can know without a shadow of a doubt that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I can know without a shadow of a doubt that Christ has been made to me his wisdom and his righteousness, I can know that Christ is going to come back and establish a kingdom, and I'm going to reign with him. I know that God has given me the privilege of his word. I know that the Father has promised to comfort me. I know that God has given me power so I can walk with people and love people even in my trouble. And so I'm thankful and I'd encourage you, while we're going through our trials and our tests and our trouble, count your blessings. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, who blessed me with all of his benefits. Thank him. 
Let me close. There's a song that I used to sing when I think about being thankful, and I want you to, to think about a song that's on your heart, and maybe you don't have a song, but definitely think about experiences. This is an old song, and since I'm an old guy, I remember songs that most of you don't. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth I'll make known thy faithfulness. Thy faithfulness with my mouth I'll make known. Thy faithfulness to all generations. Listen, a couple things I want you to do. I want you to choose to say I will when your feelings say I won't. It's hard. We're all going through some type of difficulty, but choose. Because again, don't, you don't want to get on that slippery slope that leads you to hopelessness. So please choose to say I will when your feelings say I won't. And let God's triumphs drown out your troubles. That, again, I'm not talking about denying them because they're very real. But, but begin to, to speak the promises of God. And then, when complaints and gripes arise, choose to be thankful. But I want to give you this last thing. If uh, Pastor can come on up, and I'll be sitting down in a few seconds. I, I want to give you this last thing. Don't forget the family of God. Oftentimes, when we're going through intense trouble we forget that we're here for each other and we need each other so desperately I know I know that if I did not have my wife and I did not have a church body while I was going through all of this four months of in my bed just looking at the walls for four months but I had them reaching out to me and I was reaching out to them and I needed them. And look, you, we need each other. When we go through this, don't disappear. Don't disappear because the enemy loves to pick you off when you're by yourself. We need to lock arms with each other. And when we do this, we will experience the comfort of the Father because the Lord is in a side of us and he will comfort us through each other and lift each other up. We need that. Find rest in your trouble, my friends. Because God wants you to have that type of confidence, that kind of type of faith, that type of light, that type of joy in your trouble. Receive it. God bless you.